Hey, hey, this is Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And yes, it's time once again to up the irons on Horns Up for Peter and I are celebrating the 40th birthday of Iron Maiden's second studio album, Killers. Yes, I know we're a few weeks late. The album was released 2nd February 1981, but we're still talking about it in the same month of release. So yeah, cut us some slack. So how are we doing this? Well, we're doing a few facts, sharing a few of our stories, going through all the songs on the album, and then some. All in an effort to try and justify why Killers matters and why it remains relevant even today. Like any birthday celebration should. Yeah, man, I can't believe like Iron Maiden have been releasing music for more than 40 years now. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's crazy, right? I mean... Uh, and especially considering uh, the whole thing around Killers, right? Because it's the last album with uh, Paul Diano. So I don't think they realized also what was going to come after this, right? The whole change and just how they would kind of blow up all over the world, right? Yep, yep, yep. So first, let's start off with some factoids. As we said, released 2nd February 1981 in the UK on EMI Records and on 6th June 1981 in the US on Harvest and Capital Records. Depending on which release you listen to, you get either 10 songs, that's on the UK release, or 11 songs if you listen to the US pressing. Uh, That's because the US album includes a two-minute song called Twilight Zone. As for band personnel, yes, uh, guitarist Dennis Stratton was replaced by Dave Murray's longtime friend and way more competent and, dare I say, progressive guitar player Adrian Smith. That's the only lineup change since the band's debut album, which means Clive Burr is still on drums, and yes, as you mentioned, Paul Diano is still on vocals. As for history, well, Iron Maiden's debut album, the self-titled one, had strapped a rocket to the band's back. Enough for critics and fans to build expectations for a stellar second album. So armed with Adrian Smith, the band heads off to Battery Studio in London with ace producer Martin Birch behind the boards. It takes the band a few weeks to record the album, and once it releases, it manages to spend a good eight weeks on the UK charts. Now, that's more or less the key facts. So, Animesh, let's straight get to it. Tell us about your first experience with Killers. How deep were you into Maiden's discography when you first heard it, and what did you make of it? Hmm. Okay, this is an interesting question. Now, I'm one of those guys who first got into Maiden albums by listening to Brave New World. Okay, so that was my first exposure to Maiden and it's a story that I've told before. Uh, Following Brave New World, the next album I heard was Dance of Death. And it's only (laughs) after that that I started listening to the earlier albums. I didn't get to Killers or Iron Maiden for that matter because of the Bruce Dickinson love. Yeah. Um... Of course, that had a lot more to do with, you know, how I was introduced to Maiden. And when you are introduced to Maiden by Maiden fans, largely, you're told, hey, you should only listen to the albums that have Bruce Dickinson on vocals. But after checking out Rock in Rio, I realized that I really liked The Clansman and Sign of the Cross, which weren't Bruce Dickinson. Uh, vocals um, on the albums on which they were released. So I decided to check out X Factor and Virtual Eleven. And despite what critics say, despite what fans say, I still think those are good Maiden albums. So that made me want to check out Iron Maiden and Killers. 
So guess what? When I first heard Killers, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't sound like the Iron Maiden I knew and loved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's. But I recognize some of the songs because, as I said, Rothschild, Killers, Purgatory, I'd heard on the live albums, and so I was happy enough to have heard the origins as such. But uh, it was only much later, and by much later, I think that's like what ten or eleven months later. when i started uh playing the bass as such and i had it in my mind that i would try and learn each and every maiden song that i went back to killers to study the bass lines and to study the songs and try to play them and that study is what eventually helped me listen to the album with an open mind and from then on yeah i wouldn't say i'm a hater of the album so that was my introduction to killers um peter what was yours Actually, it's very similar because uh, I think I've said this in one of the earlier episodes that we did. For me, I started off actually with uh, Power Slave, and that's why it's like my favorite. Uh, I'd made an album of all time, and a friend of mine had burnt a CD uh, for me. And that time, like CDs were so rare that you know I listened to that back to back. So hence, I know note for note the entire album, but. Uh, yeah i think it was just primarily because i would say that you know you didn't have that much access right this is before torrents and all of that so when you have to choose i think i remember listening to seven son of the seven son i think i bought the cd much later uh, i remember listening to best of the beast remember that compilation yep. yeah so the virus yeah i remember listening to that so It's similar to you. I also had that, you know, Bruce love, as you put it, and no one really tells you that. Hey, you know, this is also something that you should check out. And I think, if I recall really well, uh, I saw Ratchel live first before hearing it on one of the compilations wow. or anything else, and. You know, Bruce totally owns it. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Dickinson totally owns it. When you see, and this was two thousand six, so I think it's only once uh, I had one of those times where I was like, okay, let's go through the discography and all of that. And I'm not surprised that you said that. You know, you didn't like uh, Killers at first because I was like, wait, this is the same Iron Maiden that now I have seen, or the same Iron Maiden uh, there. so especially the start right the because because the vocals are such a integral part of the iron maiden sound right it just takes a bit getting used to i feel paul diano and of course so you've got uh, steve harris writing a majority of the songs right and especially on this album itself but uh, yeah it it was i would say like quite interesting and it kind of makes me wonder also sometimes right i mean uh what what would it be like if you still had paul diano on most i mean who continued with made in what would that be like hmm interesting questions but uh, anyways let's first dive straight into the album let's try and wrap our heads around that and then we'll come around and discuss the album in in more opinionated form a bit later 
So we are listening to the UK 10 song version that clocks in at just around 38 minutes and the album begins with Iron Maiden's shortest recorded song ever, The Ides of March. Now here's my question, would this instrumental fit anywhere else on the album other than the opening slot? I don't think so. <laughs> yep, I think not too. And of course, Maiden haters and fact lovers will quip that the song is nearly identical to Thunderburst by the band Samson which featured at one point in time Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. So it has a lot going against it. Doesn't it? Yeah, and I think like if you don't have uh, it back to back with Ratchild it just doesn't fit in like and it just kind of sticks out, right? I mean 90 seconds of of a 90 I mean almost 100 seconds of a song like what's happening, right? <laughs> yeah. it's it's weird to say the least as an instrumental ditty it's it's okay as an album opener it's on the weaker side which moves us on to yeah. the staple at most maiden gigs and that's the one i saw at least the energetic ratchild yeah so okay go back and listen to the opening of ratchild okay is it just me or does paul diano open the song as soon as the guitars come in with a bleh can you hear that have you heard that yeah i know that you say it yeah now so i can't right and now i can't unhear it anymore <laughs> i absolutely adore ratchild because of its bass heavy intro it's perfect to start jams with even if this song began the album i wouldn't complain i wouldn't miss the ides of march and i think that this song may have been a better opener uh, than the ides of march and that's also partly because diano sounds so fucking good on this song and yeah. all his vocal hits that pepper the song he truly makes it his own i'll say it i think i enjoy or i've grown to enjoy this studio version more than dickinson's live versions Okay, that's a tough <laughs> one, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it like I said, right? I mean, it takes a bit to get used to, and I think once you warm up to that, I totally understand why you would like the album, uh, in terms of the bass, because for me that also stands out, and you know, like this was the single of the album, right? That they promoted. Yeah, one yeah, of yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, one of the singles. So it it, it totally makes sense. I mean. It, Of course, this is like strange because uh, now you have like the radio standard being a three-minute song and all of that, right? And this is far before that, and it gets everything in that short three minutes. So you have yep. like everything uh, that you would expect. So yeah. yeah, I think Ratchel is what the fourth shortest Maiden song ever yeah. to be recorded, something of that sort. Anyways, and, and there's a reason why they still play it at gigs, right? <laughs> Of course it's it's a party track it's the one to just just get your up the irons on yeah <laughs> okay so moving on next up is perhaps the freshest song to make it to killers at the time of it being recorded murders in the rue morgue freshest because barring prodigal son and murders in the rue morgue all of the other songs that appear on killers have been with the band for a long time now murders in the rue morgue is again It's a classic Maiden track, but 
the calm and melodic opening to the song is radically different to the latter part and there i say again i think this would have been a fantastic song to open the album with because you wouldn't need something like a nights of march on the album imagine murders opening the album it would give something new as such to uh, the maiden catalog at the time when it was released right and it's a fantastic underrated song yeah i mean uh, when you think about it right you have that like over a minute of like intro that goes in i i kind of found that better in a way to ides of march but it's and it's such a contrast right the way the song starts and when it goes uh and you know for people who like know iron maiden like or at least people like me who listen to like most of the classic iron maiden stuff right i was like wow this is so different and uh, yeah i i don't know i mean it, it, i i i find a bit and i understand why uh, sometimes uh, they kind of classify these cup the first couple of albums is kind of like punkish would you agree yeah definitely it has it has more of a um british punk kind of an energy and a vibe the drumming has that effect too the riffs aren't your standard traditional stereotypical uh galloping riffs that iron maiden have come to be known for as such there's a lot more going on there's a lot more variety in terms of what the uh, riffs and the bass is doing but at the same time the song structures are you know they seem to be uh coming from a mind that's locked into only that song structure kind of a scenario you know there's it's it's weird killers has this weird um you begin to see some of the experimentation that iron maiden yeah. is known for but and murders is a good example of that but at the same time it's like you know we're just testing the waters trying to do something new but we don't know if we can pull it off yet with full conviction having said that murders is still a really good song i'm surprised why it still isn't played a lot more live because even live the song would slay like think of it as a perfect showcase for steve harris i mean yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the intro and stuff you know as a way to bring the crowds back up from um say you know after they've played maybe the red and the black or something yeah no totally totally i mean uh moving on to track 4 on killers which is another life that's kind of the same thing i feel uh, like i said about uh, murders in the room or right i mean the intro kind of confuses you right and you you're not sure like what's coming next and then you get like you know the familiar kind of maiden riffs that you later on on later albums of course love and of course then again the bass man the bass again stands out on this track I'm sure you'd mm. love playing around to this track, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did. What you said about the intro is absolutely right. You you wouldn't think it's a Nine Maiden song if you only heard the intro section, right? It's pure drums and that too in a very tribalistic fashion. But uh yeah, you know, I must admit um and I don't know this this just this is a bit this is a bit of a downer or something of that sort but 
I always try, I always tend to confuse another life with innocent textile as in they, I can't like hum them on command as such and they don't stay with me. And once both the songs end, I immediately forget them, which are not great signs for both songs. But while listening to the songs, I always think that they're decent. Um, the only thing which I truly remember, like which, you know, which absolutely strikes me about Another Life is the fact that there's only one verse. And that verse is just repeated thrice. There's no chorus. It's lazy lyric writing. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of very, I, I don't know. I mean, the way I kind of look at it is that, okay, what's really going on here, right? It's a weak track. You have to say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's I would agree to that. Hmm. So let's move on to the album's second instrumental. Uh, the only maiden album that has two instrumentals as such, which is Genghis Khan. And man, what a ripper of an instrumental this is. So many ideas, so much going on. It's busy as fuck. And it really showcases Clive Burr's phenomenal playing on the record. It also gives us a chance to talk about Papa Roach. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, but do I want to? <laughs> which is Papa Roach's, which is your favorite Papa Roach song, Peter? There's only one Papa Road song I know. <laughs> Which is? <laughs> Isn't that riff sounding so familiar to the riff from Genghis Khan that begins at around 146? Wow. I put that, oh, at least with... <laughs> now that you, now I can't unhear it again. Oh, God. <laughs> Now imagine Papa Roach vocals in place of Paul no. Diano. <laughs> for me, for some reason, I kind of, uh, I mean, it's totally right what you said, right? There's so many ideas in that short track and there's so much going on. It's, it's like, uh, I don't know, one of those bands. It's like you could have basically broken down the riffs and made like two or three songs, right? Yeah, but just coming... like Papa Roach. <laughs> <laughs> but but coming to the riff that you're talking of, I don't know why, it reminded me of, you know, the opening riff of Run to the Hills. Okay. So, I don't know. That's, that's, that's what I thought. I mean, I guess because I was still thinking Maiden, but uh, yeah, Papa Roach, wow. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> Hmm, okay. Run to the Hills begins very differently. So, and yeah, I don't know how you heard that, but yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. All right. Now, next up is the often underappreciated Innocent Exile. Underappreciated, yes. That's an absolutely apt word, especially with my confusion with Another Life and Innocent Exile. Um, yes, that bass intro is marvelous. It follows a stereotypical maiden formula, which by now it tends to get a bit repetitive. But hey, it's a, it also has a fantastic Diano vocal hit towards the end of the song. Another bleh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for good vocal hits. But you can actually tell, I mean, like there's some songs where, like, especially now that we're coming to the second part of the album, you see a bit of variation. Like initially, my only grouse with 
Paul Diano is that you know he just sticks to a certain style, and then like you think that okay, that's how he's gonna how the, how the rest of the album is gonna be, and then the second part of the album or side B, you're just like okay, is this the same guy kind of thing, right? Hmm. Hmm. That only happens on one song that will come up uh, in a short while, actually, when we'll come around to discussing it. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's enough on Innocent Exile, right? I, do you have any other points to add on to this? No, no, not really. Okay, cool. So let's move on uh, to the thumping title track, Killers. Not gonna lie, one of my favorite songs by the band. It's iconic. It's... Um, you show me a metal musician who hasn't tried playing the song and I'll dare you to find one. Guitarist, bassist, drums, vocals, everything's perfect. One of the, one of the best Maiden songs ever to be recorded. Yeah, man. I mean, this, this becomes uh, the Maiden or this is the sound that Maiden everyone enjoys and loves, right? I mean, you've got the solos in there and I actually like coming to the point I made earlier, right? I can't believe that Paul Diano like pulled off the vocals on this track. I was just like, wow, like this is this is like what I want to hear, man. This is what I enjoy, right? Um, see, now when you look at when, when you look back at Killers after having heard Bruce Dickinson on some of these tracks and you hear these uh, songs with Paul Diano on vocals, um, I still think that on the studio versions, Diano performs significantly better than what Dickinson does on the live versions. And I know that's a almost a blasphemous comment for many Maiden fans as such, but you know, these songs are, or have been written with Diano in mind, yeah. right? So he tends to excel when it's this fast paced punkish kind of a vibe. Correct, yeah. Which kind of disappears from Maiden's catalog later because now they're writing songs with Bruce Dickinson in mind. And a good vocalist, and Dickinson's a great vocalist, will obviously be able to uh, adapt the song to his voice as such, which he has done fantastically. But uh, yeah, to me, I still think Diano on the album is better than what Dickinson does live for these songs. Maybe a couple here or there, uh, like if you stay, take Iron Maiden from Iron Maiden. I think Dickinson's better on that, but yeah, controversial opinion. Fight me on that. <laughs> yeah, like, like I can read it. I, I can totally hear like people like, what? What did he say? <laughs> yeah, but, but then coming back to Killers, I think Killers itself is a fucking excellent tune. Yeah, um, yeah. It's one of these songs where Adrian Smith's stamps is like, I have arrived, right? That both the solos are fucking fantastic, yeah. and um, yeah, that that intro opening it took us weeks to kind of try and figure it out. But uh, you know the part I'm talking about, the part where the guitars are going, <laughs> yeah. But then when we realized that, we was like, holy fuck, it's just that simple. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So moving on now, if you listen to the US version, then you'd hear the track Twilight Zone. But we're not, so we get to hear Prodigal Son. Hmm. Is this Maiden's most unmaiden song ever? Dude, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, it, it, you know, it, what's 
bad about the placement in a way is that it's right after killers right so you're just like huh what happened <laughs> or that's exactly like how i felt right i mean although you know you get that great solo uh, in the middle of the song but yeah i mean if if you pass if i played it to someone else saying that it was another band from the 80s or so yeah you could kind of pass it off that way right yeah like which other maiden song would you peg as the most unmaiden song ever i mean even something like uh journeyman do you remember journeyman that's the acoustic song yeah right even journeyman sounds more maiden than this song so the question is why do you think maiden decided to uh record this particular song because this is one of the only other fresh songs that have been written for this album apart from murders in the room org was it them trying to experiment was it them trying to um you know maybe go out on a limb and showcase a different side was it their attempt at a nothing else matters maybe even though nothing else matters would only be released 10 years later <laughs> we don't know i would love to talk to steve harris and try and figure that one out but does it belong on maiden's killers uh, i mean we don't know right i mean yeah we t- we would tend to think of course with hindsight talking yeah you yeah. would tend I mean, to think it shouldn't but it's a decent song it's just not made in enough yeah i mean having said all of this right i mean uh, i i w- i would love to be like transported back to like say 25 30 years ago where you only had oh say imagine if i started off listening to iron maiden with killers i'd be i'd be like fighting you like how dare you say that <laughs> right but again we both have listened to iron maiden in similar kind of uh, circumstances right so that's why we have i guess yeah opinions for all you know in a parallel dimension somewhere maiden goes on to write more songs like prodigal son and <laughs> we'd all be heralding prodigal son as the first of its kind true true Yeah after this maiden would uh, go on and cut their hair and like i don't know release something like a lo- load reload <laughs> i i was i was going to say grow their hair out and get become a hair metal band <laughs> okay fine maybe that works too <laughs> anyways moving on to the penultimate track which is raw maiden energy it's purgatory This is a raw rough maiden classic. It could have been on Iron Maiden as well. It perfectly suits the vibe of the band at that point in time. I have nothing more to say. Man, this is again, you know, the punkish side of uh, Iron Maiden that makes me just like wonder, right? Sometimes like, hey, what if they continued with this style? Like would they actually be, you know, I'm I'm sure they would have been like as well known, but they would have kind of i don't know got a complete different sound and or maybe you'd have like hundreds of bands trying to replicate this sound but i like the guitar parts at the end of the song because like it starts off like that punkish part but the guitars at the end is something that i really like and i've re- i'm realizing that it's all like you said earlier right the maiden that i love i'm looking for those parts 
and cherry picking out like yeah this is what i i'm really liking mm-hmm. okay and finally the album closes with another underappreciated gem drifter yeah i've heard plenty of people say that drifter is the most underappreciated song that maiden's ever released what do you think of that yeah i mean again putting it in the context of the album this is again i i like this track but you can see you know the galloping bass that you like slowly become more prominent on later material uh, i like the guitar solo that comes in also uh yeah i i i like i wish now i could like kind of make my own edited version of killers <laughs> or reorder the track something like that i don't know but yeah i agree with you i'd have drifter a bit ahead too and maybe yeah. have prodigal son close out the album yeah i mean it you know of course now we're listening to it on you know say cds if you've heard it or on streaming right so you can actually make your own playlist and all but back then this is how you heard the order and one thing also i just want to add right if you notice the f- side a are all the shorter tracks of like 3 and 4 minutes and you have the longer songs on side b i don't know if that was like by design or it it's just like when you look at it now you're just like wondering and those are one of the few questions i'm kind of left with uh after listening to the album right and mm. especially looking back at it all these years later Okay cool so let's let's try and make sense of what we just heard and talked about what's your take on the album musically where would you rate it in the band's discography and why if i have to like look at the band's entire discography i would say somewhere in the middle man okay so which albums would you rate below it oh boy <laughs> you you're not going to like this but i'm not like a huge uh, blaze bailey fan so mm. those are okay <laughs> i understand uh, that i don't know this, this i i enjoyed like of course and i'm again this is might be a tough take but i'd rather take this over um uh, dance of death and all of that dude i don't know now when i listen to it i just can't cuz some of the stuff like made in released uh later on just became like very bloated in a way and probably it's me uh, also but uh, i i i'd love to like say hear an ep or like a 30 less than 30 minute album of just like punkish stuff like this by maiden i don't know That's no, you're, you're better off listening to Paul Diano solo stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I... <laughs> what, what, what about you, Animesh? Hmm. Okay, tough question. Musically, Killers has a few stellar songs, right? And I don't think uh, anyone can disagree with that opinion. Rothschild, Murders in the Rumor, Genghis Khan, Killers, Drifter. It has fantastic production. Everything sounds super rich and clear. and you can see why the band continued to work with martin birch he truly yeah. does justice to maiden's unique sound and you know it kind of sets the sonic template for what the band should sound like the album also brings adrian smith to the band and though he has no songwriting input the solos shine you can tell that smith has a personality of his own and it's a personality that somehow complements murray and it also fits into the band's dynamic 
So I think Maiden have found the best guitarist that they could ever find, apart from Murray, of course. Clive Burr and Steve Harris are in ace form. And dare I say, this album makes me want to hear more of Burr. I still think, um, you know, Burr on Burr with Maiden for maybe a couple of more albums longer would have given us a more powerful sound than McBrain on drums from the next album onwards. Now, those are all the positives as such, but on Killers, you also begin to see the cracks in Maiden's armor. Um, Diano's range and style is very limiting, right? And there doesn't seem to be a lot of thought from the lyrical front either. Also bring in the fact that most of the songs on Killers have already been with the band for a long time. So it's kind of safe to assume that the band has almost exhausted its uh, all its material on the second album itself and they need something new and which is why maybe you get to see tracks like Murders in the Room or even A Prodigal Son which are pushing towards a slightly new direction. So to sum it up, I don't think I can place Killers in my top five Maiden albums list. It's not a must-listen album. It isn't the album to introduce someone to the bandwidth. But is it a Maiden album that deserves a revisit now and then? Yes. And that's only to reacquaint yourself with the songs and more importantly, the production. So what's the final word on Killers then? Is it an album that deserves to be celebrated or not? I mean, for all the positives that you said, right? Uh, if, if you didn't have Killers, you wouldn't like have all the you know, classic Maiden uh, that you have. If they didn't do all that experimentation on this album, you wouldn't uh, have. I mean, we were talking like, what would happen if, uh, you know, Paul Diano continued on vocals? What would Maiden sound like? Hey man, what if uh, Adrian Smith didn't join the band? That would be like something else completely, right? So that way, there's a lot going on on this album I would say and uh, yeah like you said I, I would revisit it so definitely I think after 40 years especially when you look back and hey you know the production wise that's something uh, that they consistently go back to right I mean they are locking in on their sound if I may say or getting in that sound so yeah that's what mm. I would say okay. what about you? I definitely think this album needs to be celebrated. Maybe not musically, but because of other factors. First up, the artwork. Killers looks fucking great. I think it's by far the best Eddie ever. The colors are just right. The illustrations spot on. Eddie looks menacing, punkish, and downright fun. It sets the benchmark for the band's visual identity. And we all know how much the visual identity matters to a band like Maiden and for Maiden's growth. That itself, by the way, is a whole podcast on its own. So major, major, major kudos to Derek Riggs. I tried to reach out to him for this episode, but alas, didn't happen. Maybe another time. Second, as I've said before, the album sets the sonic template for Maiden. Third, It's the album that helps the band get its first US shows. So with all that it's done for the band, you have to acknowledge and celebrate its place. Without Killers, you you wouldn't have had Maiden's story be the same. 
True. And, you know, talking about the US tour, uh, I was looking it up and they actually toured with the Judas Priest. Imagine like early 80s Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Damn, that would be like some shows to catch. Hmm, exactly. That was our celebration of Killers. What do you think? Do you agree with us? Do you think that we don't know our Maiden? Tell us. Go ahead, up the irons and tell us. We are at hornsuppod.com. We are also on Twitter at hornsuppod. I'm at Azmohani. I'm at, I'm at Trend Crusher. This is Hornsup. Hands up, guys.